Good morning. I am Brad. I am the lead pastor here at Stanley Park Community Church, and I am so glad to be well with you online today. Today we have what we call a divergent stream. Uh, we are starting or restarting our online stream, and we, over the summer, had kind of shut it down because it just wasn't working. There was a lot of challenges in our tech, and uh, what we were putting out there just wasn't, wasn't to the quality and value we hoped to be putting out. Uh, we had hoped to be in a better spot coming into this uh, September here, uh, but our, our tech is just not yet there. So last week we jumped onto our old, old system, uh, streaming straight from Mevo, uh, hoping to create something to allow you to connect uh, with one another, but also with the word that we are sharing as a church. Uh, today we are, are doing the same. We are doing not the Mevo, but we are taking a, an opportunity to record a message just for you online. Uh, so that's what we're doing. Today is uh, got a, a special part to it, is that we wanted to do two things. One is to practice making special content just for our community who is online. Uh, we want to create a message and create greater opportunities for you to see that we value you, to see that we want to invest uh, where you are. And we wanted to do this from time to time is create specific content for our online community, uh, allowing you to grow in the knowledge, the likeness and lifestyle of Jesus intentionally, not just through a window, uh, zoom in kind of deal where you feel like you get to see what's going on, but you don't get to be uh, cared for and connected with. So that's one of the reasons why we are doing what we're doing today. The second is that we as a, a church are growing a teaching team. And so today I will not actually be teaching in person. Uh, we have a member of our teaching team who will be preaching and she is not comfortable with being online. And so one of the creative solutions that we came up with is, well, I can write a message and I can create content for you. And our in-house community will have a different experience, uh, but she will be able to teach those who are in-house. And so that, I think, will be a unique blessing to us as a in-church group, or in-church building group, I guess, and for you as a community also to have uh, specific care from me. And I hope that this, this word blesses you and that you know that we care deeply to bring you great, meaningful, valuable content from Scripture and to see that be invested into your life. So with that being said, we are uh, jumping back into a series on Luke. Uh, over the summer, we took a pause. We stopped and we wanted to look at the Lord's Prayer, pray like this. Um, we are now getting back into this long, slow uh, process of going through the Gospel of Luke. We hope that this longer process will be one that allows Scripture to speak to us inform us in a way that we know an eight-week series or a fast-paced blitz through a gospel just won't do. We hope that this series allows us to ponder longer, to identify what the gospel writer was trying to get across, and for us to see that this timeless scripture is valuable in our current life, our current day, and our current experience. As we sit before them, as we sit under these words, we hope to be slowly formed more and more into the knowledge, likeness, and lifestyle of Jesus. If you wanted to jump back into our series, you'd see that we highlighted uh, six specific key themes that show up in Luke, and I think they would be good to remind us, and I'll bring them up over and over again, uh, but I want to remind us of two today because I think they are specifically in the text we are going to be looking at. The first major theme within Luke's gospel is God's sovereignty, the sovereign rule over all of history. He writes, uh, Luke writes, in such a way that we get to see that God has been fulfilling and planning and doing all that he said through the prophets, but also way back at the very, very beginning. The second major theme that we see is the arrival of the actual presence of the kingdom of God. 
Now, both of these will be showing up in today's text, so I want to share with them with you right at the very start, so when, when you see it, you know it. So today's text is one that uh, we commonly would skip over. Weird, right? Um, so feel free to open up your Bible. We're going to Luke. Uh, this passage is a genealogy. Uh, I was going to work it into a larger piece, but then uh, part of the teacher team, uh, she wanted to uh, do it today with our community. So I said, all right, I will teach on the genealogy of Jesus. So if you want to open up your Bible or open up another tab on, tab on your computer, we will find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to chapter 3, 23 to 38. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son of, or so it thought, of Joseph. Now I would love to have skipped over the genealogy because you know how arduous it could be. But I also realize that like me reading it will not be great. See, I, I naturally stumble with hard names, but then I'm also dyslexic. So it, you'd be getting a lot of creative ways of engaging with uh, whatever those letters could be. So what I thought is we're in a digital age, so I'm actually going to play the uh, recording of someone reading these names so that we can sit under the word, you can follow along, and then we will reconnect after these. The son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semyon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosim, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Amminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sirug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Luke's gospel does a unique thing with the genealogy. It starts with Jesus and then it works its way backwards. It works through the ages and through the generations, through the stages of Israel, through the greats and the scandals. All the way back to the first, to Adam. 
and then beyond to the origin to God. You may know that this isn't the only genealogy of Jesus found in scripture. Matthew's gospel also has one. Now Luke's version is from Jesus back to Adam, but Matthew's gospel starts at Abraham and works its way to Jesus. Both of these have importance on the stream, that it flows, that it moves. It's a from and to direction. And that is where we start getting complicated. If you were around last week, you know that we got to find a trouble in the text. And, well, here we are again. It's not the order of names. It's actually the list of names and the names themselves. See, in Luke's gospel, he gives uh, a list with 57 names in the same category and spot where Matthew gives 41. At least we know that one of these lists, at the very least, is solving this complex thing, is, is incomplete. And the logical one would be Matthew's, because it's easier to subtract names than it is to make names up. Uh, but then it gets complicated again. Is it, it jumps names and generations. Um, and this may be a challenge to us, as we, we don't really like how things won't be just clearly linear and clearly perfectly recorded. Uh, this may also be because when we read or when we just heard, we heard son of, son of, son of. But the Greek, the original language that it was written in, is not that simple. You see, the spots where it says son of, son of, son of, could also be of Joseph or of Amos or of Nathan. Implying not a direct sonship, but actually in the line or direction from the sonship of um, this at least helps me in identifying any gaps or incoherencies in, in the ones that match up, where you can see that, oh, maybe it was actually like in the line of. This, this is easier for me to solve because as, as one that doesn't know what my great-grandfather's name is, I'm not one that sweats the, the son of discussion. But maybe for you, it is a, a challenge. I see another challenge in the text that sits a little harder that I, I know many others have wrestled with. The bigger problem, at least for me, is that there's actually a dual stream. See, Matthew's goes one way, and Luke's goes another. Um, more or less, they track, after the great King David, two different directions. Uh, I'm going to put up an image, maybe here, maybe here, wherever it fits better. Um, so then you can visually see that it's not even the same names, it's not even the same direction, really we see that Matthew, after the King David, goes through Solomon. We know Solomon, if you've been around Scripture, you know the story. But then we see Luke's goes through Nathan, another, another son. And now we have these divergent streams, kind of like what we got going on here today. So this graphic, you can see, um, I, I pulled up from online, there's many other ones, this is just one that I thought visually helps us picture that we're talking two different streams. So some scholars argue that Matthew gives the legal rights down to Joseph, that he's following a stream about the legal rights, and that Luke follows the, the family ship of Mary. But the, the question is then is, whom do, who do they track and why? And then why do they both, if they're doing that, two different streams, end up at Joseph? 
Now, in these lines, we can land all over the place. We can find all kinds of different theories and all kinds of ideas of what could be going on. Um, I'm going to just name a few options and allow you to see where, where, where you sit. So the first one could be that these genealogies are just completely wrong, uh, that they both are wrong and we can know nothing about the genealogy of Jesus. This is obviously not where I would land, but I wanted to name it as an opportunity for maybe you as a skeptic to just say, I don't know and I don't trust this. That's, that's a fair spot to sit. Uh, another option is that there's that royal line and a biological line that leads to Jesus. Uh, but then in that, there's the question of they both lead to Joseph. In some people, they, they view the, the, the difference here is that it's actually different Josephs, which I've met other Brads, which is a, a viable option. I'm sure you've met other people with the same name as you. Uh, they, they would contend that one of them is Joseph, Mary's husband, father of Jesus, or so we thought, right, in the passage. And Mary's dad's name was Joseph. So two different Josephs is how they would track these streams. Uh, and then I would say that this is very plausible. Another argument or idea was proposed by Augustine. And his theory was of adoption. That Joseph's uh, line was one biological and the other one was royal. And that Joseph, it is the same Joseph that is here, but that Joseph's biological dad died at some time. And that then his mother was remarried and was brought in and that he is now brought in under another father who brings in the same line. And that this is now the line where we see the, the redeemer um, quality being brought into the story. Is that Joseph was brought from one lineage into another. And so this adoptive theory is speculative, of course, but also an interesting one to consider knowing the, the story. That it is interesting that if, if this was what happened, that Joseph's heart may have been softened by his own experience. That maybe because he had experienced adoption, when God spoke to him through a messenger saying that Mary, the one betrothed to you, is about to have a child, and I want you to have that child as your own. That his heart knew what it meant to be taken in by a father who wasn't the biological father. And so we see that this might be uh, an option as well. I think it would be kind of like what God would do. But once again, I don't know any of these options to be 100% true. But I do love to take a second to go with that speculation because we know that time and time again, God talks about taking the orphan in. That he talks about making children that was not his, his that he talks about grafting in a people group into his kingdom, into his way. And so I, at the very least, it's worth naming that that theme, whether it is true of this Joseph story, is a theme of God's. In this, we can say that both Luke and Matthew have the same goal, just kind of a different intent of how to get there and the way they tell stories. And that this different um, actually brings us to a, a clear direction that while they both went from a, a literal past to present or a present to past, they are both bringing us to understand God and what God is doing through Jesus. One of them is going about Abraham down to Jesus. The other one goes from Jesus back to Adam and then even further back to God, the creator of Adam. What we see Luke's intent, it seems to be that he wants to answer, 
Is Jesus qualified to be God's promised son? Is Jesus qualified to be God's promised son? This question makes sense because of the place that he places the genealogy. In Matthew's version, he puts it at the very beginning. In Luke's, he has it right in the middle of this passage. Right after chapter, 20, or chapter 3, verse 22. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Here seems to be what Luke is trying to do with his genealogy back to Adam. He wants to highlight that Jesus is of the line of David and that that line gives him the right as a, to reign over Israel, to be the ruler of Israel. He wants to make sure that we understand that Jesus is of the line of Abraham, to make the connection that allows us to understand that Jesus is the hope of the nation and that he connects Jesus to God's promise of blessing from all the children of Abraham. And that's the point where Matthew actually starts his genealogy. But then we see that he, Luke, wants to take it further back. He takes it back to Adam. And he's doing this for a specific reason. He wants us to see that Jesus, while king of Israel and while hope of the nation, he also represents every one of us. He represents all of humanity because of his lineage to Adam. Jesus doesn't have just the hopes of Israel. He carries the hopes of all of creation. See, God made a promise back in Genesis 3. And Jesus is the one that completes it. After the fall, where sin had entered creation, God promises redemption. Genesis 3.14. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and of all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will, be, you will strike his heel. In this, we see that there is a picture that God is working out throughout history. And this is why the genealogy matters, that, that, that God is working out through Zerubbabel and Boaz and Judah and Shem and Noah, the core theme that Luke wants us to see. He's working out his sovereignty throughout all of history. And in this, we see that the history that Luke draws, he brings us characters and people who walked closer with God, like Enoch. But we also see that there's people in this, this story, the sovereign history of God's, of people who may not have been expected to be in the blessing line, like Uzziah, a prideful man. We see that there's mixed people in the center of it. Uh, specifically in Matthew's gospel, he, he points to David as the, the the tip of his genealogy. But in the middle of the story for uh, Luke, we see King David, who was a mixed character. We would love to celebrate him purely as good because he was a giant killer and a man after God's heart. But he was also a murderer. He murdered and took a wife of Uriah, the Hittite. We see in the whole range of Jesus' genealogy, all kinds of people. We also see unprecedented people like that of women being present and part of the line. So Jesus' genealogy gives us hope that in all that we have experienced, all that we have had done to us and all that is done by us, God will still see his promises through. That from the very beginning, God promised that the fall of man will be redeemed and that he worked it out 
in a messy human way. But that plan of God still came through and still gives us hope. It's hope to restore and redeem us, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, and for God to be with his people. Maybe for you today, you get to see your name alongside some of those names. Maybe you know of yourself as one of the failures. Maybe you see yourself as one of those that is more of the the mixed up messy ones where you get some things good and some things not so good. You may find yourself in this story, but the beauty is that you can find that you are able to trust, not in your ability to make things right, but God's ability in his sovereign rule over all of history to continue to move his great story further forward. That those who would expect to be left out, maybe it's you, maybe it's some others that you know, can find his mercy, can find that even through their failures and our failures, that his love is of a greater story. It's a story of a king named Jesus that brings hope incarnate and restores and redeems creation and people like us. Maybe this is the first time that you actually get to hear your name in part of the story, that it's starting to intertwine, and I'd encourage you to lean in and to seek out Jesus. Maybe it is you coming to church, gathering with us on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's joining us again online. Or maybe it's even coming out to our Alpha where we get to ask big questions and you get to ask some big questions. And this Alpha starts this coming Tuesday. It's uh, September 12th at 7.30 here at the church building. Or maybe you know the story and you're starting to see yourself in the list of the names. And maybe your next step is seeing that your story is part of the larger one. And that this genealogy is one that can form and shape your faith to allow you to understand that God's grace and mercy is continuing in your life. And maybe it's a a step where you get to see that your story and this larger story gets to go to others, where they get to hear it. Maybe it is by having a coffee with a coworker. Maybe it's gathering with a friend and allowing them to see that your story of experiencing grace and mercy is encouraging. Ask them to lean in. Allowing this story to capture our hearts and our minds and allowing those that don't know Jesus to hear the story so it can capture their hearts and their minds. This is ultimately the heartbeat of Luke's gospel. To tell the story of Jesus. For Luke, he wrote it in a text that we now get to look at and study and sit under. And for us today, we get to embody our faith to those around us, showing them the love and grace and mercy that we have experienced and are experiencing, and helping that love, mercy, and grace Find homes in the lives of others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being sovereign. We thank you that you have seen us and that you've planned a way for us to know you, to experience your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we ask that you come into each one of our lives. Lord, we ask that you meet us in each one of the spaces and places that we are located. Allow us to know that we are deeply loved by you and that you have grafted us into your story. And that we may not have been children of yours, but we can be children of yours through Jesus. We pray that this message today, Lord, that it takes root in our lives, that we experience your hope, your grace, your mercy, and peace. And then that transforms us into be ones that show and help that find home in other people's lives as well. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Blessings to you. I hope that you have a wonderful week in the Lord. And we'll be back next Sunday. Take care.
Thank you.